From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. To Washington Watch, coming up, President Biden is on the road selling his more than $4 trillion spending plans that are now billed as measures for infrastructure and the family. But the details of the plan show they are laying the foundation for driving America towards socialism, not critical infrastructure. So my plan provides a universal preschool for every three and four-year-old in America. Everyone. That's a game changer. It's a game changer. We'll talk about it with Pennsylvania Congressman Scott Perry. And over the weekend, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken was on 60 Minutes. Among the topics, China. Our purpose is not to contain China to hold it back, to keep it down. It is to uphold this rules-based order um, that China is posing a challenge to. Anyone who poses a challenge to that order, we're going to stand up and, and defend it. Is the administration holding China accountable? We'll talk with Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton later here on Washington Watch. And speaking of Secretary of State, Still more fallout over the revelation that former Secretary of State, now Windsor, John Kerry alerted the Iranian foreign minister to covert actions by our ally Israel. Republicans are calling for the State Department Inspector General to look into the shocking revelations. Kentucky Congressman Andy Barr, member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, is here with those details. And back on President Biden's American family plan or his push for government daycare, will parents who discovered the politicization of the curriculum during the public school lockdown support early childhood indoctrination? We'll talk about it with Kelsey Bowler, senior policy analyst at the Independent Women's Forum later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on the free speech platform of Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. The Washington Watch audience continues to grow rapidly and is now being offered on many new platforms, airing on various networks, including American Family Radio, Bot Radio, CSN Radio Network, Kingdom Keys Radio Network, His Channel, and many other independent stations. And the latest to join the Washington Watch family is Liftable TV, which is available through video streaming apps like Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and Chromecast. If you uh, have Liftable TV, you can find us at TonyPerkins.tv. We continue to expand it. We also have our own app, Stand Firm app. You can download it in the App Store. All right, my first guest says President Biden is acting like an irresponsible person who just got their first credit card. But the charges that the president is racking up are in the trillions. And the ones who will be paying for it will be the American public now and future generations to come. He and his team are on the road this week trying to sell his infrastructure plan and welfare bills that will cost taxpayers over $4 trillion. All of this being spent, by the way, in the name of jobs. I go back to last week when he spoke to Congress Here's what he had to say. Everything is about jobs. And the process will create thousands and thousands of good-paying jobs. The American Jobs Plan will help millions of people get back to their jobs and back to their careers. The American Jobs Plan is going to create millions of good-paying jobs, jobs Americans can raise a family on. And it raises revenue to pay for the plans I propose and will create millions of jobs that will grow the economy 
what I'm proposing will help create millions of jobs and generate historic economic growth. The consensus is if we act to save the planet, we can create millions of jobs. By my count, we'll now have more jobs than American people, but based upon the price tag, we'll all need two or three jobs just to pay for it. Joining us now to talk more about this, Pennsylvania Congressman Scott Perry represents the 10th Congressional District of Pennsylvania. He is also a member of the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Oh, I think we got a technical challenge getting him connected. He'll be joining us in, in just a moment to take a, a deeper look at what the president is proposing under this uh, job plan. Uh, joining us now is, uh, as I mentioned, Scott uh, Perry, congressman for the 10th Congressional District. Congressman, welcome to the program. Hey, Tony, great to see you. And as you can see, we're actually driving on one of the great Pennsylvania roads that could use some attention from an infrastructure plan. But instead, we're going to spend, I don't know, $400 billion on elder care. Now, that might be an issue that we need to talk about, but it's not infrastructure. And it neither is the billions of dollars that we're going to be spending on uh, green uh, children's lunches in school and the $10 billion uh, spent to create a civilian climate core and, and numerous other things. Tony, as you probably know, only about 9% of this infrastructure bill actually goes to what people believe and feel is actual infrastructure, right? Like the highways, uh, the bridges, airports, ports of uh, entry, and, you know, water, sewer, gas, those type of things. About 9 to 10%. That's it. The rest of the trillion dollars is spent towards uh, other kind of jobs that have absolutely nothing to do with infrastructure. But, of course, the Biden administration knows that people support infrastructure, so they're going to call all the social spending and all the socialist spending infrastructure, hoping that people won't have a clue what they're actually spending their money on. Right. And, and it's all done in the names of, of jobs. It's going to create millions and millions of jobs, according to the president, as he said last week in his uh, address to the joint session of Congress, in which there was only about 200 people there. Uh, th the reality is this is, going to, this is going to tax the American people. How are we going to pay for $4.1 trillion in new government programs? Tony, I have no idea. Uh, the Biden administration has said that they don't want a deficit spend, which means that they're going to have to tax their way to $2.3 trillion in infrastructure. But you have to add the other things, the Green New Deal, et cetera, that uh, that President Biden talked, spoke about in his uh, in his address to Congress. I think it's uh, somewhere over six trillion dollars, of which uh, there is no plan. We, we even if you taxed everybody's income and taxed every single bit of it, it wouldn't amount to that much. So it's going to be a combination of taxing uh, everybody and printing the money. And and of course, every you know, Tony, every time they print a dollar that's not backed up by anything, it makes the dollar that you have in your pocket worth a little less than a dollar. And in this case, when we're when we're printing trillions of dollars, that, that's, you know, that's a lost uh, value that uh, that American citizens that are hardworking, paying their taxes have to spend on their own lives. But President Biden, you know, as a progressive and I don't know how you call this progress, but as a socialist, essentially doesn't seem to care about that whatsoever. Well, Congressman Perry, when uh, the the president rolled this out a couple of weeks ago, you at that time said you didn't see any bipartisan support for that. Today, 
the Republican leader in the Senate, Mitch McConnell, said no Republican will be voting for this. Uh, they have offered a, a compromise plan of uh, $600 billion worth of infrastructure spending that trims all of the non-infrastructure spending that is in this bill. Um, that's still a pretty hefty price tag. Uh, do you see the Democrats actually and the president working in a bipartisan way to arrive at a uh, infrastructure bill? Well, what I see the president doing is actually speaking like he's going to be working towards a bipartisan solution. But based on the past hundred days where he talked about he talked about unifying the country and then went on a totally partisan uh, binge of executive orders and and the legislative agenda items, I, I think it's just rhetoric, Tony. I don't, I don't think they have any interest in whatsoever other than the optics of working in a bipartisan fashion. I suspect that AOC and her acolytes will determine that uh, the, the Senate proposal is dead on arrival. They must have the Green New Deal and, and components of that in any infrastructure bill. They won't support it, and they'll kill it in the House. And so I really don't see anything more than rhetoric from the Biden administration regarding bipartisan participation. Uh, it's interesting you mentioned uh, AOC. She has uh, been singing the praises of the Biden administration, saying that uh, as progressive, they're very, very happy with what they see out of the first 100 days of the Biden administration. And I certainly would think that she's happy with this uh, quote unquote infrastructure bill uh, because uh, this thing's pretty green. It is. But, you know, they, Tony, they do have uh, the Green New Deal teed up right behind it. And so that's because this infrastructure package that President Biden offered isn't nearly uh, green enough for AOC. And so the progressive progressive agenda is actually progress towards socialism. It is not about free markets. It's not about our freedoms and it's not about fiscal responsibility for sure. And it's barely about infrastructure at all. And and, and you, you don't have to do anything except just read the details to know that, regardless of what President Biden or what AOC has to say. The truth is in what they do. Now, you mentioned, uh, Congressman Perry, this being over $6 trillion that the administration is spending. When you look at their coronavirus relief, you look at this jobs plan, you look at uh, the quote-unquote American family plan, universal uh, child care uh, and community college free quote unquote, those are scare mark, hashtag, you know, free. Right. Uh, what do you get for free? Um, this is pumping a tremendous amount of money into the economy that was that was pretty hot and was moving quite well under the tax cuts of the Trump administration. Uh, even even some of Biden's own people are saying, well, we might have some inflation. I mean, we're setting the stage for some rapid inflation uh, and this is going to hurt the very people they say they are championing. You're absolutely right, Tony. What concerns me is it might be inflation on an unprecedented scale based on the unprecedented scale of the printing of money that we've seen from the administration. And while the stock market might be up, you must realize that it's inflated because there's really nowhere else to put your money. You can't make any you can't get a return on investment at the bank. And so everybody's pumping money into the stock market or the housing market. But when that bubble bursts, I, I will tell you what, Tony, it's not going to be like pumping the brakes. It's going to be like slamming the brakes on uh, on this economy. And I don't think that most Americans are really ready to see what's going to happen. And they're being told there's no inflation right now. But they could all they have to do is go to their gas pump 
and put some gas in the car and they can see what's happened over the course of the last hundred days. And my goodness, if you go to, to you know, to buy some lumber, you can find out that a two by four is going to cost you $8 or a sheet of plywood is going to cost you a hundred dollars. That's due to the right. inflation that they're saying is not occurring. Yeah, I want to play another very quick clip of, uh, of Joe Biden talking about this. Uh, play clip number two. In your first 100 days, you propose $6 trillion in, in new spending, and you plan to pay for it by raising taxes on people, on businesses, on investments. Why, why tax and spend so much when the economy is still recovering as a result of the pandemic? That's the reason why it's recovering, because we're investing. Look how rapidly it's recovered since we passed the last piece of legislation. And that legislation was $1.9 trillion. If we don't invest in this country, we're going to actually start to, we're going to fall behind even further. Uh, Scott Perry, we're up against a break, but the reason it's recovering is because of what the previous administration did in cutting regulation and taxes. You're absolutely right, Tony. And the other cold water that this administration keeps throwing on it and the left keeps throwing on it is paying people not to work. And I can't tell you in Pennsylvania how many times I've been to a business who was desperate for employees. Right. There's help wanted signs everywhere around Pennsylvania. And we are paying people to not go to work. Yeah. And that's really having a chilling effect as well. It's just more of the same from these hardcore leftists. Don't be fooled by any of this. All right, Congressman Scott Perry, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Tony. Have a great day. God bless you. All right. Uh, all right, folks, stick with us. On the other side of the break, we're joined by Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas to talk foreign affairs. We'll be looking at China next. Don't go away. For centuries, the Bible has inspired humanity and shaped the very world we live in. But how do we know this book is the Word of God and not merely the words of men? What we believe about the Bible is based on what we believe about its source. The God Who Speaks explores the evidence of the Bible's inspiration and authority through some of the world's most respected biblical scholars. We have essentially a dual authorship. So it's true to say that Paul wrote Romans it's equally true to say that God wrote Romans. He says, we saw this, and that sets the Bible apart from almost everything else in the ancient world and its religious pantheon of gods and goddesses. The God Who Speaks is a feature-length documentary from the American Family Association. Available now at thegodwhospeaks.org. Here's a moment of hope for your home with Jerry and Becky Drace. We are recording every day that we're on the air from Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. It's the place where we graduated. We're proud of this university. Just wanted to share that with you. And let me ask you a question. Have you noticed that everything is now beginning to bloom? After a long, hard winter and being isolated from family and friends, it is a welcome sight to see the flowers spring out. Listen to Psalm 147, verse 8. Praise to the Lord who covers the earth with clouds, prepares rain for the earth, and makes grass to grow on the mountains. Teach your children that God loves them more than the flowers. Tell them that God covers them with His love and prepares them for each day's challenges and will help them to grow in His grace and beauty, just like the flowers in the spring. 
Learn more about the ministry of Jerry and Becky Drace, including evangelism with integrity, devotions, articles, and more at hopeforthehome.org. This has been a moment of hope for your home. How would you describe your health care? If you're like most Americans these days, the word affordable isn't top of mind. Well, here's some good news. There's actually a trusted health care option that is affordable. It's called MediShare. Unlike insurance, MediShare is a Christian health care sharing ministry. Hundreds of thousands of believers across America who share each other's medical bills. For over 25 years, they've trusted in the MediShare model because it works. You'll be amazed at what you'll save, up to 500 bucks every month. And here's the best part. Because MediShare is based on biblical principles, you never pay for things that go against your beliefs. MediShare is affordable health care for Christians. Call 833-44-BIBLE to find out how much you can save on your health care. MediShare. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. Welcome back. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. You're listening to Washington Watch, the website, TonyPerkins.com. Yesterday, CBS News, uh, the 60 Minutes program, aired its interview with uh, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken that covered a wide range of issues, including Afghanistan, the southern border, border, and Russia. Much of the interview, though, focused on China, with 60 Minutes stating from the outset that the Biden administration will be defined by how the United States competes with China. Uh, Here's a short clip of what um, host Nora O'Donnell uh, and her interaction with the Secretary of State on China. Are the policies of the Biden administration to blame? No, what we're seeing is indeed uh, a surge of people to the border. We've seen that uh, in the past. But we actually hold that clip. That's uh, that's that's another clip. Let's play the uh, play clip three. Our purpose is not to contain China, to hold it back, to keep it down. It is to uphold this rules based order um, that China is posing a challenge to anyone who poses a challenge to that order. We're going to stand up and, and defend it. Are they doing that? Joining me now to talk more about this is U.S. Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas. He serves on the Judiciary Intelligence and Armed Services Committee. Senator, welcome back to the program. Senator, are you there? Hey, Tony, can you hear me? I can hear you now. So uh, how is the administration in their first 100 days doing as it pertains to China? Well, Tony, that answer you just played from uh, Tony Blinken is I'd say, a little mealy-mouthed, um, saying that we don't even want to contain China. Um, I guess I would say I don't want to contain China either. I want to defeat China, um, and in particular the Chinese Communist Party, which holds itself up as the vanguard of the communist uh, dictatorship first in China then ultimately to dominate the world. Uh, it's the same kind of mealy mouth approach you saw from Tony Blinken and Jake Sullivan in Alaska a couple months ago when they hosted a summit of their counterparts and got dressed down. Um, frankly, repeating all the democratic talking points you've heard about America being a racist nation and having too many cops kill our own citizens. And rather than go on offense uh, about China's treatment of its own people, it's 
slave labor and mass rape and genocide against religious and ethnic minorities. It's destruction of Christian churches throughout China. It's suppression of the freedoms of the Hong Kong people. Tony Blinken kind of meekly apologized for America. Um, so at least at the outset, the Joe Biden administration is not doing nearly enough to defend the United States and defend the principles of freedom against the Chinese Communist Party. Now, I, I watched the interview on 60 Minutes, and uh, when Nora O'Donnell um, introduced Secretary Blinken, she said that uh, the, Biden has selected someone to, quote, rebuild a depleted and demoralized State Department. Uh, and then, of course, went on to talk about how what's been missing is this, and, and Blinken made reference to this, this rules-based international order, oftentimes unwritten. Um, is the fact that the, the Trump administration actually put America first, is that what upset the State Department? <laughs> well, Tony, it's an open secret in Washington that Hillary Clinton and John Kerry didn't do much to support the State Department either. Uh, they were more what you call the celebrity secretaries of state, and the bureaucrats were unhappy then, just like they're unhappy in the Trump administration. Um, but I do think that a lot of the permanent bureaucrats in the State Department do believe that we should put these globalist rules ahead of America's interest. And in the end, these rules can often benefit America, Tony, but we have to remember that what backs them up is not some pie-in-the-sky um, idealistic commitments, but American power, the American military, the American economy, and forceful American leadership. Uh, that's been lacking over these first 100 days of the Biden administration. So do you trust, from a negotiation standpoint, do you trust what China says for a, if we sit down at the table with them? Uh, no, of course not, Tony. And it is very worrisome to me. The first person that Joe Biden sent to China was John Kerry, his climate czar, who was such a great negotiator. He saddled this country with the Iran nuclear deal six years ago. So I, I'm very worried that John Kerry and Joe Biden will give away very concrete things like, for instance, ceding total Chinese sovereignty over Hong Kong or even backing away from our commitments to Taiwan or uh, loosening the tariffs against China's predatory trade practices in return for fleeting ephemeral future promises. Like you can just see John Kerry and Joe Biden saying we're going to lift the tariffs on uh, Chinese predatory trade practices in return for China promising to reduce its carbon emissions by 5% in 30 years. Um, I hope that doesn't happen, but that's exactly the kind of thing you could expect to see from this administration. Those types of actions could be dangerous for America's national security. It'd be very dangerous, Tony. You know, we're in a, a long competition with China, and a central part of that competition is economic. Uh, China has been stealing our jobs and our factories, stealing our property uh, for decades. We finally, over the last four years, began to take a stand for America. Um, but if we roll back those policies, if we go back to the old views under the Obama administration, or frankly under Republican leadership as well, that China is a partner and we want to outsource more jobs to them and we want to become more dependent on them, it is deeply dangerous to our national security. I mean, China already has the market cornered on a lot of essential high-tech goods. We learned over last year that China has the market cornered on a lot of basic low-tech goods, too, like ibuprofen or acetaminophen or surgical masks and gowns. Um, we can no longer allow the United States to be dependent on China in any critical industry or for any kind of critical essential good.
And I would think, Senator Cotton, that the other nations, Russia in particular, are watching how we interact with China. Yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence, Tony, that Russia was massing troops in our Navy around Ukraine while China was doing massive incursions into Taiwanese airspace. They're probing Joe Biden together. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Senator Cotton, it's always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you, Tony. All right, Senator Tom Cotton of uh, Arkansas. All right, coming up next, talking about uh, former Secretary of State John Kerry, now climate czar or wind czar, is uh, the fact that he leaked information. Well, the report, the revelation that he leaked over 200 times information about sensitive Israeli military operations regarding the Iranians to the Iranian foreign minister. Is it an issue? Well, it is with some Republican congressmen. They're calling for an inspector general's investigation. We talk about it next. Don't go away. Making the most of your money. Here's Dan Celia on American Family Radio. I think this week is going to be a very interesting week as we head towards the end of earnings season. We had a very good earnings season, but nothing out of the ordinary or nothing that wasn't expected, except for perhaps the FANG technology stocks, whose numbers came in uh, astronomical numbers. They were very, very strong, uh, probably a lot better than most had expected. A lot of that due to the pandemic, their online business, their usage with the cloud, and so on and so forth. In the beginning of the week, we get motor vehicle sales comes after the month of April. Look, it's got to be depressed. So much of the manufacturing, at least with GM and Ford, has slowed down again due to that microchip problem. We get ISM service sector numbers. That's expected to be up about a half or 1%. That would be great if that happens. On Thursday, we get productivity number, the most important number of the week for sure. And of course, non-farm payrolls on Friday, that's the number everybody's going to be waiting for. And they're predicting about a 50,000 increase in private sector jobs, up to 978, almost a million private sector jobs. I would not be surprised if that is the number based on the other numbers that we have seen. With that in mind, the unemployment rate would drop down to uh, well below six, probably around 5.8, maybe even a little lower if those numbers come in that strong. Interesting, interesting week because of all the political uncertainty that seems to be gaining a little bit more attention than it normally has. Want to hear more financial advice from Dan Celia? Look for his podcast at AFR.net. Yesterday, Iran's foreign minister apologized for the blunt comments that he made to journalists that were leaked to the press last week. However, while his apology was focused on his criticism of Iran's late top general, General Soleimani, and remarks related to the country's internal power struggles, it's his comments related to the U.S. climate czar, or wind czar, John Kerry, that has some in the U.S. calling for an investigation. 
Now, during the interview, Iran's foreign minister, Zarif, complained that Iran's military has long kept him in the dark on crucial matters and that he had to find out about Israeli attacks against Iranian interest in Syria from none other than John Kerry. Now, in light of this comment, three GOP House Foreign Affairs Committee members wrote the U.S. State Department's Inspector General last Wednesday to demand an investigation into Kerry. Joining me now to talk about this call for an investigation is one of the House members leading the charge, Congressman Andy Barr of Kentucky. He serves, as I mentioned, on the uh, House Foreign Affairs Committee as well as the Financial Services Committee. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Tony, great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Now, let's talk about this. Uh, according to the leaked reports, around 200 times John Kerry gave sensitive information about Israeli military operations, primarily in Syria, to the uh, Iranian foreign minister. This is quite significant, is it not? Absolutely. Imagine a, a, a U.S. Secretary of State, former Secretary of State, uh, divulging sensitive, perhaps classified, top-secret military-related information to uh, the sworn enemy of the United States and our key ally in the region, uh, the state of Israel. And if these reports are true, then not only did John Kerry undermine our critical American-Israeli alliance, uh, he really turned his back on Israel. He, he betrayed Israel. And I would argue because uh, Israel is this island of moderation and uh, a democracy in an otherwise very dangerous part of the world, uh, he really he really threatened U.S. and undermined U.S. Uh, national security interests as well. And this is this is a kind of a pattern for John Kerry. He has a very bad habit of cozying up with the world's leading state sponsor of terrorism. We know this because he's not only the architect of the flawed Iran nuclear deal, but he clearly appears to be, if these reports are true putting his own personal ego and his interest in salvaging uh, this uh, flawed JCPOA ahead of U.S. national security and certainly above the security of uh, our friends in, uh, in Jerusalem. Now, Congressman, do we know the time frame in which these revelations were to have occurred? Well, we know that, um, that John Kerry has admitted having two conversations with the Iranian foreign minister, uh, Mohammad Zarif, um, uh, during the period of time when Secretary Pompeo and the, the Trump administration, uh, the previous administration, was uh, directly in the process of withdrawing from the flawed agreement and reimposing sanctions and initiating a maximum pressure campaign. Um, if, if, if that timing, if that timeline is accurate, then uh, we have John Kerry working directly at odds uh, with U.S. foreign policy, something akin to a, a shadow diplomacy that was uh, actively undermining the official policy of the United States. And, and look, I mean, the, that, that, that policy of the United States that pre former President Trump was pursuing was an effort to correct a major error in foreign policy that the previous administration, the Obama administration, had pursued uh, a, a policy of appeasement that that uh, gave the mullahs in Tehran um, billions of dollars in cash uh, that enabled them to uh, pursue a ballistic missile testing program and uh, provide uh, a huge injection of cash 
into the hands of Iran's terror proxies, which were in the process of destabilizing the region. Uh, so uh, Iran used the Iran nuclear deal to uh, promote its terrorist goals through proxies in the Middle East. And President Trump was in the process of reversing that when it appears that John Kerry was, was actively trying to undermine the official policy of the United States, a policy that, that, that was intended to and, in fact, did uh, reestablish deterrence against the world state sponsor of terrorism. So my, my final question for you, Congressman um, Barr, is could this, in fact, have been – could he have engaged in illegal activity, something that uh, ran foul, afoul of the law? Uh, yes, um, and uh, that's why we believe, uh, we meaning uh, Congresswoman Wagner and, and Congressman Zeldin, uh, why we wrote to the Inspector General at the State Department. We, we want to know uh, what the State Department knew and when they knew it. We want to know the status of uh, John Kerry's security clearance. We want to know if, as a result of these leaks and this shadow diplomacy, uh, this uh, disclosure of sensitive military information about our key ally, if, if that put the Israeli Defense Forces in danger of retaliation. We want to know if there was any attacks, retaliatory attacks launched on our Israeli allies. We need to get to the bottom of this, and we want the State Department Inspector General to take this seriously. It doesn't appear uh, that the current Secretary of State uh, is taking it seriously because he dismissed uh, our calls for an investigation is political. It's not political. It's about loyalty uh, to our ally and defending U.S. national security. Well, Congressman Barr, we want to we want to uh, find out what you hear back and uh, also find out what is discovered if, in fact, there is an investigation. So uh, we want you to come back on and talk about it. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, serious matter, folks. Uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about this uh, after the break, but also coming up next... Universal child care. What does that mean? Well, let me give you a hint. Early indoctrination. We're going to talk about it next. In a recent poll, it was revealed that only 6% of Americans hold a biblical worldview. This research also indicated that Christianity's teachings on abortion, marriage, and homosexuality are not only misunderstood, but seen as dangerous and subversive. In response to this trend, Family Research Council has released a new set of resources in our Biblical Worldview series. In addition to our full publications, which cover the topics of Christian political engagement, abortion, religious liberty, and human sexuality, FRC now offers helpful summaries of each publication in this series, as well as accompanying prayer guides to help you and your family pray through these important issues. And finally, our popular Biblical Principles for Political Engagement is now available in Spanish. All these resources are free and available at frc.org worldview. Again, that's frc.org worldview. In his image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. You seemed so much alike, but then you got married. 
On the next Focus on the Family, popular blogger Melanie Shankel shares humorous insights about the joys and challenges of marrying someone who seems to be your opposite and how to appreciate those differences. Next time on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Focus on the Family is heard each weekday morning at 5 o'clock Central on American Family Radio. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And uh, glad uh, to be on a new platform beginning this week, Liftable TV. Uh, You can uh, find out more about that. Go to TonyPerkins.com. All right. As I was mentioning, uh, I I want to just touch on this before I move to my next topic. The, The fact that John Kerry may have been having these conversations with the foreign minister of Iran... Uh, is quite significant during the Trump administration. Of course, this may even preceded that, but just to what Congressman Barr was talking about, if you hold a security clearance, and I I happen to have one from my work with the the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, you have to report every contact you have with foreign officials. Uh, It is, I mean, everywhere you go, if you have a conversation with a foreign official, you have to uh, report that. on a regular basis. You have to give an account for your travel conversations. Um, And it'd be very interesting if John Kerry has done that in these, what sounds like an abundance of conversations that he's had with the foreign minister. At a minimum, it would call for the revoking of his security clearance. As Congressman Barr said, may even be criminal what he engaged in. Be interesting to see what happens with the Windsor. All right, uh, President Biden... Vice President Kamala Harris and members of the administration are fanning out across America to uh, sell their nearly uh, $4.1 trillion infrastructure and family proposals as a part of getting America back on track to or throwing America under the bus, depending on how you look at it. Um, Of course, the jobs plan, everything's about jobs, going to create millions and millions and millions and millions of jobs of course, we're, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to need to have millions and millions of job, all of us, jobs. All of us will have to have two or three just to pay the price tag for all of this stuff. But one of the big focal points, it, it, and it's been, it's like the shiny object for liberals. It is early childhood education. In this case, um, it is child care, uh, daycare, uh, universal daycare, and community colleges. I mean, they want to make sure 
They get our kids as early as they possibly can. And, and probably won't go on this today, but just file this away. We've talked about it before. What happens beginning around the age of 18 months through the age of 12, 13? Well, that's the formation of worldview. Uh, that is when young people shape their view of the world and learn to process and think. As Christians, we work to help our children develop a biblical worldview, looking at the world through the lenses of Scripture. Of course, now we live in a world which is totally hostile to that worldview with a uh, overtly secular worldview. Here's, uh, I want to play a clip of what the president uh, had to say last week in his joint session uh, to Congress where 200 people were out there uh, listening uh, to what he had to say about this aspect of his proposal. Twelve years is no longer enough today to compete with the rest of the world in the 21st century. That's why my American Families Plan guarantees four additional years of public education for every person in America, starting as early as we can. Well, with me now to talk about what we know so far about the president's government daycare plan and the problems associated with it is Kelsey Bowler. She is a senior policy analyst at the Independent Women's Forum. Kelsey, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. So uh, universal child care, good thing, bad thing. When we say universal child care, we have to remember that that means government child care. That means taxpayer funded child care. And the research, the evidence to support uh, taxpayers funding universal daycare is very thin. Uh, actually, the Biden administration in touting this new proposal was citing a study from uh, back in, I believe, the 1970s or 1980s, and it had a very small sample size. You can read more about that at IWF. We covered it. And the reason is there, there are no definitive studies that say early education, uh, universal daycares are beneficial to children. In fact, uh, the research suggests the opposite. Uh, this is tough for some parents to hear. I have a one and a half year old myself and had to adjust my career based on the evidence I was absorbing about early childhood development. But the truth of the matter is that the number one thing that children need at these early ages is a loving mom, uh, the support of uh, their parents. And what the Biden administration and really all of the left wants to do is push moms to uh, give everything they have to the workforce and then pawn off their children to these government run daycare facilities. Uh, the, the Biden proposal doesn't go so far as to, um, you know, put us in the position of fully funded government run daycares for everyone, but certainly it is a very clear step in that direction. And it does so at the cost of uh, punishing moms who decide to stay home or moms who decide to have an alternative childcare arrangement like I have for myself where I have a nanny at home. Um, so I'm essentially being punished for prioritizing my child and then those who want to uh, send their children to government-funded daycare, get these massive, massive subsidies to do that. And the sad thing is, 
children don't win from this. Children win when women and working moms have flexible work arrangements that enable them to to decide for themselves what type of childcare um, arrangements work for them and their families. And that's why it's important that we as conservatives don't just say no to this proposal, but we point out that we do have solutions that do offer flexibility and choice for working parents. And these most often come in the form of tax credits for parents. So that I have a, I as a parent get a tax credit that I can use to fund the childcare arrangement that makes sense for my child and my family. Uh, well said, Kelsey, but the evidence, I shouldn't say but, well said period. Uh, the evidence would suggest that during the Trump administration, that flexibility you made reference to appeared to be at work because more women joined the workforce during the Trump years as a result of the tax cuts and the economic uh, growth that we saw. Absolutely. So another issue that's being raised here by the Biden administration is the fact that we've had over 1.5 million working moms drop out of the workforce since the pandemic hit. And so what does the Biden administration propose to do about this? Well, these massive, massive jobs programs and this massive overhaul of early education. When, <laughs> you know, I know the mainstream media didn't report on this much uh, because they couldn't give the Trump administration credit for anything, but believe it or not, in 2019, we actually had more women on payroll in the US workforce than men. So women were excelling across the board. Their wages were rising, particularly for those uh, on the uh, bottom quarter of the income spectrum. And companies across the board were offering greater benefits, including uh, maternity leave and sick leave and so and, and, and paid family leave uh, so that they could compete for good employers because uh, employees because the economy was doing so well they realized you know we have to get with the times and start offering good benefits if we're going to attract good employees and so the free market was working women were employed and they were getting more benefits and now what does the biden administration propose to do <laughs> not go back to our pro-growth agenda of tax cuts and deregulations, he wants to double down on all these regulations that make it so hard to run a business, to be an employee, and for women to stay in the workforce because they lack that ability to have a flexible work schedule because Biden wants everybody every woman and every man in America to have a nine to five union job, which we know, especially for working moms, is not what women want. Well, and that's not for the benefit of the family. That's for the benefit of them collecting more taxes to pay for the government programs that they say they're giving you. Uh, but there's a problem that I think the Biden administration is going to face on this, Kelsey. And it, the kind of the headwinds are the fact that you mentioned the 1.5 million moms that dropped out of the workforce that were there at home with their kids during the public school lockdowns. Many of them discovered for the first time what their kids are being indoctrinated with. And as a result, they don't want any part of this. And if you think about what's happening in our public school system, do you really want to send your toddlers there for early, early age indoctrination? You are absolutely right about that. Uh, this pandemic has been a huge wake up 
call for parents and specifically mothers who are not okay with the indoctrination that's happening in government-run public schools. I used to just call public schools. I can't anymore because there is so much indoctrination. We need to call them what they are, which is government schools. And this is so unfortunate. I'm a product of public schools. I am proud of that. But I am now looking at these institutions and saying there's no way that I can send my daughter there. I can't trust them, uh, whether it comes to the physical safety, the lowering of the academic standards, or the, the racial ideology that they are peddling through the classroom. And so that's part of the reason that we've seen so many working moms drop out of the workforce, because they don't trust public education to uh, teach their kids basic math, reading, and science. They are homeschooling or pursuing different types of choice options. And this isn't just going to end when the pandemic ends. We're going to see parents doubling down on school choice, which is why school choice legislation is more important now than ever. That has to happen at the state level. But what what Biden is proposing to do would bring us in the complete opposite direction. More government run schools and less choice for parents and their and their families. You, you mentioned choice, Kelsey. And when Joe Biden, Kamala Harris say, you know, they're speaking for these working moms out there and they want to give them what they want. Uh, early childhood education, universal daycare, co- community college, two years free of that. Is it not? choice to make the decisions for themselves and what's best for their children? Isn't that what parents really want? It is. Uh, But the left seems to think that we know better than you. We know better than parents what your children need. Uh, Send them to these government-run daycares, these government-run schools, these government-run colleges, and they'll be fine. Uh, you know, don't worry about it when really, you know, any good parent wants to be involved in their child's education. And we know that a one size fits all education does not work for the vast majority of children. Uh, That is not always a criticism of public schools. That simply means different children have different needs and different types of schools exist to serve those needs. But what parents need is are, are more tax credits, are the ability to send their kids to private schools, because often these can come at a great expense. Of course, we know wealthy parents are already practicing school choice. So in essence, when the left denies parents' uh, school choice, they are only denying uh, lower income families' school choice because the wealthy ones have already gotten out of there and they will continue to do so. Yeah, there's no one that has the interest of their children at heart more than parents themselves. Now, I know there's some outliers, but I trust parents to make decisions that are in the best interest of their kids more than I do the government. Uh, Without any hesitation, I can make that statement. Uh, Kelsey, we're almost out of time, but I want to ask you one final question is, all right, what do moms, what do parents need to be doing? First off, they need to be fighting back at the local level, pushing back on Uh, these woke ideologies that are entering their classrooms. And look, if if they're not having success there, they do need to consider alternative options, whether that means sending their kid to a private school, taking a step back from their career in homeschooling. Of course, this is not the message that anyone 
wants. Women, again, we're doing so well under the Trump administration. If we get our economy back, if we go back to the Trump administration policies of pro-growth agendas, women will have more flexible options. But if we pursue this massive spending package that Biden is proposing. I know it sounds great on its face. We women are struggling. I'm a working mom. I get it. It's hard to afford everything we want to provide for our children, but there are better ways the government can help parents and empower, and, and that means empowering them through tax credits so that parents have more choice and flexibility when it comes to choosing their own types of childcare arrangements and education. Uh, Kelsey, I think you're absolutely right, and uh, we're going to encourage parents to, to do the same. Kelsey uh, Bowler, thanks so much for being with us. Great to talk with you today. Thank you. All right, folks, check out her uh, her articles she's written. I've got a link on my website, TonyPerkins.com. Look, this is not the time to be silent. This is a time to push back. This is a massive, I know we've kind of been desensitized to these big spending bills, trillions of dollars, trillions of dollars. I mean, this is massive. Over $4 trillion in these two packages, the quote-unquote jobs plan, infrastructure plan, and the American families plan. You know, our families will be paying for this for generations if we survive. I mean, this this is going to, uh, well, well, we'll talk about this later, what it's going to do to the economy because we're out of time for today. But don't be silent. Push back on this stuff and by all means, get involved in your child's education. That is absolutely critical. All right. We're going to be talking a lot about that in the days ahead. All right, folks, thanks so much for joining us. Check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you so that you can be a participant in this republic of ours. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.